You are listening to to see you the podcast. And here's your hosts, Harrison and Meg. Hey everybody. It's uh good to see you. Season two. We're back wow. with a bang. That was remarkable. That was some really good voiceover work. I was not expecting it and it just kept going. It was <laughs> so good. So many effects. Wow. That is a, what a great opener. Season two. Hey, everybody. We're here. Hey, I'm Harrison. Oh, yeah. I'm Meg. And uh, you're listening and to Good to See You. Yeah. Welcome. This week, we're talking to Zach Steele who is a friend of Harrison's. He's an actor and a musician and a writer. And we had a really fun time talking to him. I've heard a lot of things about him or things that he's imparted to Harrison, but never met him. So this was a beautiful uh, connecting of dots for me. Yeah, there's a lot of like, uh, I think there's actually a lot of show lore, like the origins of like things I've said on this show, like come to light in this. It's a, this is a yeah, really cool episode. Actually- yeah, a great start to the season. Yeah, so uh, let's waste not a minute more. Woke up this morning, didn't know what to do, so I looked around, then I saw you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. We're going to talk about some stuff and some other stuff too. Yeah, it's good to see you. Sweet God. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to see your face. It's good to see How your are face. You? This is Meg. I'm, I'm good. Hi, Meg. Hi. It's so nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Am I blowing you guys away with volume? Are you hearing what I'm hearing? I, I'm hearing what you're hearing. You sound pretty good. Oh, oh thanks, man. Wow. You sound good. <laughs> thanks, man. Wow. Um, you're, making me so, you're making me so nervous. <laughs> Dude, where, um, like, where are you right now? <laughs> I'm in St. Louis at the moment. Okay, I, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I was in New York basically from like September to like last September to like, uh, sorry, until September. And then just came back here like for the summer recently. And then we went and ran around to different places for Hannah's like music festival stuff. And I just got back from there. So, yeah, I was literally telling Kate earlier today like i have mm. no idea where you have been because yeah. you've just been bouncing around like pretty much all it's, summer right it's been crazy yeah well we weren't even planning on doing anything and then we were just gonna like lay low this summer and uh, a buddy of mine was looking for a sublet in new york so it worked out great and uh and then she just got like two calls back to back in like a week like hey do you want to go to this music festival in durango colorado and sun valley idaho and she was like, uh, yeah. So our like summer of nothing turned into like, let's go run around, you know, Idaho and Colorado. So that was out of nowhere, but it was fun. It was good. And are you based in St. Louis? I'm based in New York. So my girlfriend's here in St. Louis. She plays for the symphony here. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha, so gotcha. we've been, yeah, yeah. So we've been splitting time, uh, for the most part. I was lucky, unlucky. And then quickly, very lucky where after, getting stuck on the ship in, uh, in, uh, Asia, I had a subletter who was able to take over my room in New York. So I didn't have to go back to New York. I was able to come here for all of lockdown. So that was, 
Ideal. Ideal. Can we, uh, you, you did mention that very quickly. Can we talk about that real quick? Because I haven't seen yeah. you. Well, I haven't seen you in since, since like 2017, maybe. Is I was trying to do the math. Then? Yeah. When I came to visit. Yeah. I, I honestly couldn't even tell you. It was, um, yeah, I, I came down. I remember I took the bus and I came down. We spent like a weekend together or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. It must have been. Yeah. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, lo uh, a long time ago. No, I, um, yeah. So I went out on this, it was supposed to be, it was really funny because it was supposed to be like my last Haran cruise ships. Right. Cause I was like trying to like wean myself off of that. And like, yeah, you did like a long stint. I did. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them end up being really long. Um, but like this one was supposed to be like the last one. Right. I was like, I'm going to have like a nice little nest egg saved up. I'm going to like do this last one. I'm going to go see Asia. I've like never been to Asia. It's going to be super cool. And, uh, I went out there and well, first I got hurt and I, I like, I fucked up my back and I had to come home. And then, uh, when, and then I went back out there and then I started getting these messages like, Hey man, have you heard about this virus that's, that's going on out there? And I was like, uh, like a little bit, like we were more worried, like we were docking in Hong Kong. And they sent us like flyers to the crew to be like, don't go to these government buildings when we're docked there. Because the big thing right then was like the protests that were happening. There was like a bunch of really mm -hmm. violent clashes happening between uh, the protesters in Hong Kong um, and the government there. And so they gave us flyers about that. They were like, don't go there. But there was nothing about like coronavirus really at all. Like, you know, you have like news outlets out there. So that you were seeing like little bits of like, like this is starting to happen and like, we should keep an eye on this. And, um, you met, you remember my buddy, Sam, I, I think yeah. you guys met in New York. Yeah. yeah I, I, I when with. I, when we saw, we saw each other in rapid succession. We did. Yes. And then we, uh, we went and saw your showcase, which is a whole other mm -hmm. fun story. But <laughs> the, uh, the, so he, we, we had been trying to get him to come out to cruise. Cause every time I go out there, I try to get anybody I can to come cruise. Cause it's just like so fun and so cool. And he was like, all right, we're going to do it. It timed out. Like I, I got the clean bill of health and I like went back out there and, uh, he came to join me. We met in Singapore and he got on the ship and literally like while we were on that cruise, like everything fell apart, like all at once. It was literally like the shit hit the fan. It was spreading like crazy. And it was getting to the end of that crew. We were in Southeast Asia at that point. Um, and it wasn't really bad down there. It wasn't a problem down there yet, but on our way back up, we were like hearing like, this is not like, it's really, really bad in China right now. Like yeah. it's not the place you want to be. And, uh, and so we're getting closer and we're supposed to have this overnight in Hong Kong and we're getting closer to Hong Kong. And then finally they're like, we're not going to do the overnight in Hong Kong, but the CDC says that we can still dock there because it's not mainland China. So it's okay to dock there. And it was like pretty bad at that point. This is like the end of February we're talking about. Mm. So like of like, you know, 20, 2020. So we were like, Oh yeah. Like right when, like two weeks before like America yeah, was finally like, I guess we should do something about it. We this. should, yeah, we should do something. We, yeah. And so we were like, so we, you know, the crew were all like, uh, that seems like not a very good idea. And they were like, well, no, it's fine. Like the CDC says, or the WHO says it's fine. So we're going to do it. And so they did it. And then like, we tried to, we picked up more guests there after that. We like dumped everybody off and we like picked up all the guests there. And then we went to like, our, we were going to do our normal cruise. We we're going to like hit Taiwan and Japan and all these places. And all of them were like, absolutely not. Like, there's no way you're going to be allowed to dock here. So we got 
rejected in Japan. We got rejected in Taiwan we got rejected in Korea. We just were like bouncing around trying to find somebody to take us and nobody would, which like, to be fair, perfectly reasonable response (laughs) under the circumstances. I mean, especially these Island nations, like if they get, you know, swarmed by this, like they're just royally screwed. So they were just like, we're not still don't have vaccines like now. Exactly. Places that still don't have it this Mm -hmm. like much later, you know, I'm sure. Right. And we still didn't know anything about it at that time. Like it was still just like, it was like, nobody knew anything about it other than it was like really invisible and really scary and really devastating. So they were all like, we're not doing that. And then finally, um, actually Cambodia took us. They were like, yeah, like, come on, come back here in Cambodia. And so we, we did that and, you know, we were able to refuel and kind of like hang out there. We, we dumped all of our guests and then Sam was able to get off. And he, this is sort of, I guess the crux of the story, like probably the best thing for the scrapbook is he has a plane ticket. That's a direct flight from Hong Kong to LaGuardia in like late February. Um, and he just like walked off that plane and like nobody, cause he like called work and he was mm. like, so I'm coming from China. Is that a problem? And Apple was like, maybe <laughs> that might be a problem. So they were like, when you come back, like maybe, maybe just like go home and like, don't, you know, we'll just like pay you to stay home. And <laughs> he, he walked off the plane and like, nobody said shit. It was like any other day. He just like strolled off the wow. plane. There was no nothing, nobody there to be like, hey, where have you been? Who have you been in contact with? It was literally just like any normal flight. That's and crazy then, like, that the, like customs didn't stop. No, nobody go, did like, anything. Hey, what, you know, you would think if there was like some kind of rampant infectious disease somewhere that like customs would ask you about it. They ask you if you're bringing in meat. Yeah, like, I know. You would think you know, they'd be like, like, hey, like, hey, have you been around any contagious viruses? Has recently? anyone coughed near you? Like, where, yeah, just, what's been going on? So he's got that plane ticket, which I think is just so like indicative of like how late we were to like accept that it was happening. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. nobody was like, it finally took, you know, what, like six months into it to be like, we should put the national guard at LaGuardia to like make people fill out paperwork. And, like that seems like a good idea. Um, but anyway, it was crazy. And then we just had to take this like 14 day. Fortunately, no one on our ship was sick, which was really, 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 really lucky. Despite like all the media being like everyone on every cruise ship all have coronavirus. And it was right, like, no, course. we know we've all, you know, has been systematically swabbed. That was before they knew how to like do it. Right. So they just were like, ah, and they like murdered everybody's noses. <laughs> Uh, like six times, but we were all, all had a clean bill of health. And, uh, it was just the crew for like two weeks, just like slowly cruising to Hawaii. And, um, we got there and they were like, you made it, you, you can like leave now. And I was like, that's it. And they're like, yeah, you're in America. You can just go. It's like word. Okay, sweet. I mean, I definitely don't want to be here anymore, so <laughs> that's fine. Um, so that was pretty crazy. And then Hannah, Hannah met me there and then we, we went back to St. Louis and just hunkered down and and uh but it was crazy man it was it was all happening Wait, while we were was out there, the u.s we just, lockdown by the time you touched yeah by the time you touched soil was the u.s lockdown okay so you touched down so. like end of february beginning like, of march yeah like probably like i think it was like the second week of march and we were like on the way out of honolulu they were like it's a good thing you're leaving now because like we're about to lock shit down i was wow. like oh we're um so it was crazy, man. It was, it was really, uh, we, we were really like one of the last few people to like get to sneak out because there were people that were stuck. I mean, even people I worked with, um, were stuck out there. Like the food and beverage manager was still posting about being out there like four months later. It was ridiculous. And oh, he was British. Man. So he like, I, they had a whole other, we were just lucky that we docked in the U S and they were like, well, you're a citizen. So like, yes, you may go. 
Yeah, of uh, course. But um, yeah, it was a nuts thing to be that close to, and we we got very, very, very lucky. And fortunately, everybody did their jobs, did what they were supposed to do on our end. So that was that was lucky. We're, we're good there. Is that your last cruise ship? <laughs> well, certainly, certainly for the near future. I mean, they've got a lot of trial and error to figure out. They just everybody is just now sending like their first ship out to like see how it works. Pretty much every major cruise line is requiring vaccinations now, which is great. Great. Um, that should be like the bar for everybody. I think there was yeah, a yeah. conversation at one totally. point that like that wouldn't happen, and it was like, guys, like it was already overstigmatized before it was actually a problem, and like now that it is a problem, like that needs to be the bar. Like we need to, right. We need to require vaccinations before we get back on cruise ships. Like we just have to do that. Um, so there's going to be a lot of trial and error. I mean, the main thing is that my job is not come back. My they're they're starting with like small performing groups first. Um, so they're doing a lot of, uh, I think they're just feeling it out for these first couple of months to see how it goes. And I'm more than happy to wait <laughs> to right. see how everything plays out of the next couple of months. So, so not, not necessarily no forever, but, um, as of right now, it's, we're going to, we're going to wait and see how that plays out. I think. Were you in like one of the like productions on, on the ship mm. or, mm-hmm. So I was doing, I was like in the production cast. So it was like a 13 person cast, cool. like three singers, 10 dancers, really, really cool shows. A lot of fun. Um, it's one of my favorite jobs that I've ever done. Uh, it, it obviously comes with a lot of downsides, you know, the, uh, being so far away and the time difference and, and, uh, being away for so long, but it, it's a great gig. And, um, I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and, and it's cool to have Holland America sort of the, the company I work for sort of pride themselves on being like the, uh, cornering the market in like the music on cruise ships industry. So mm. they have like a bunch of branded entertainment. They've got like a Lincoln center, uh, uh, quartet that uh, quintet that and actually that's where I met my girlfriend, Hannah. She was doing that. Cool. And then, uh, the, uh, they have like a BB King blues club, uh, like eight piece, uh, band. And then they've got like a billboard dueling pianos thing. They've added a Rolling Stone rock room. So like, it's a really cool thing. And then we were kind of like at the end and like the main stage is like the big old fashioned production Mm -hmm. cast. So it was a cool gig. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I've heard like such a mixed bag about the cruise ship experience. Like I've heard stories (laughs) that run the gamut. So I'm glad to hear that at least yours was like a good, aside from that last experience, you know, trying to get home, but I'm glad to hear it was pretty good overall. I think so. I mean, I think in general, like people that, I think it's a little disingenuous when, when people talk shit about their time on cruise ships. Cause it's like, guys, like <laughs> this is all aw- like, this is awesome. Like, come on. Like, I get You're it. hanging like, out I, I on totally a fucking cruise. It. People pay thousands yeah. of dollars to like be yeah. here and you got to do like a little few extra things yeah. and you're getting paid and yeah. you just have to like hang out. Well, and everybody's always astounded. Right. They're like, I mean, I think, I think we were unique in this, in this position, but like with Holland America, like the, we had like four production shows, right? And they don't repeat shows because they like, they figure that people don't want to see the same show twice in one cruise. So they're like, we're out there doing these 15 day cruises. So they're like, people are like, how much do you work? And I'm like, well, it's a 15 day cruise and we have four show days. So they're like, well, what are you doing when you're not doing that? And I'm like, exactly your point, Harrison. I was just like, I mean, we're just like going, they're like, are you allowed to go out and port? I'm like, yes, we're allowed to go out and port. Like, what do you mean? Um, so I don't know. I always just think it's obviously the number one downside is like the culture can be a little nuts and, um, more than a little nuts and, uh, being away from family and friends for the duration that you do. But if you can find a nice short contract in a really cool place, like there's, there's really nothing better. Like 
I, I, I don't think the apologists for cruise ships are being entirely. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean by the culture? Like just out of curiosity, out of like, out of like, you know, every, obviously every like workplace has some kind of element to the culture. That's probably yeah. insane. But Especially like, what do you entertainment mean And entertainment. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on this show. Like, entertainment's fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's bonkers. I think that we are definitely not not exempt from that. In a lot of ways, it's it's more of a, a potential for disaster on a ship because, I mean, I will say our company does a good job, better job than I think others do of like vetting out the crazies a little bit. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. They still sneak through is the problem, you know. Well, tours are tricky like that, too, you know. Like, you have to, when people have to live together in addition. And that's the thing. You're all crammed together. Like, we're all living, like, we're all trying to live, like, adult lives and, like, you know, like, be adult people. And you, like, have to pretend, like, the person, the people that you work with are, like, like sleeping, like, six feet away from you in, like, a cabin, like, down the hall. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's right there. It's really hard to, like, compartmentalize and, like, separate, like now we're working now we're hanging out now we're not hanging out like whatever it is so like there's a lot of recipe for disaster there but ultimately like if you get the right group of people like it can be it can be totally fine i, I pretty much say to everybody all the time about ships like 99 percent of it is who you're working with for the most part because like the ports can be great and they will be great but like if everyone you're there with is a fucking crazy asshole then like it doesn't really matter you know what i mean yeah it's, that's, it's and that's fun. also like so many things dude like that i feel like that uh I don't know. I feel like the job that we did together, like 90% of that, like, you know, what made that job, what it was is that we had like a really good crew with like a good like group of people. Well, we wouldn't have survived that if not for that, I think. You need to like, you know, like. We worked very hard. We we did work. With decent love. We 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 worked very, very hard. (laughs) We did. We had the authentic internship experience. We really did. Uh, It was, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, with ships, it's 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 just hard because you the process. I've been a manager the last couple times, which has added a new a new layer sure. to it, and that makes things I'm sure complicated socially too. It does. Right? Like, it does. I mean, I tried to lay a foundation of like, look, like it mo- everybody was returning, so that made it a lot easier. But my thing was like, we're all gonna fuck up. Like, I'm gonna fuck up. You guys are gonna fuck up a lot. But like, right. all I need you to do is like, just not be a crazy asshole about. It. I didn't say that, but I like not be an asshole about it, and like, we'll figure it out. We're always gonna figure it out. The the problem right. is then people, you know, it happens four months later and people completely forget that speech and lose their goddamn minds. And then, you know, it's my problem. And, it, you know, tired it, too, man. I mean, like yeah. that, the fatigue and like, I don't know, the, I yeah. imagine a ship and like a, a 15 passenger van are similar in some ways. When you feel stuck, you're like, holy shit. Like, I don't, uh, you know, you forget everything at a certain point. I think that's probably right. I think the the thing that's tricky and was most frustrating for me is like, if there's a problem with somebody, like they sort of have the power because the, the, the strain that you have to go through to like reprimand that person and potentially replace them is like such a pain in the ass for like everybody. Even if it's something that like definitely merits them like being sent home, like they have the power because they're like, I, you know, in the, and in the meantime, in the three weeks while you're trying to get them shuffled out, they just like continue being a crazy asshole the whole time. Right. And you're just stuck out there with them and you sort of have to subject yourself and everybody else to that behavior until, you know, the company can go through all the motions to get that done. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it ends up being like, well, you know, can we deal with this for another two months or do we really want to 
you know, so you have to deal with this reprehensible, like childlike bullshit. Well, while, theater becomes you know. the same way, right? Except just a, just a shorter yeah. time period. Like, you know, you exactly. get someone in a rehearsal room and they start acting like a fucking crazy asshole. And yeah. like, is it really, can we really get people in here, you know, ready to rock and roll in, in two weeks, three weeks? Exactly. And you understand that it's bigger than, than you. And so you, and, and, you know, uh, you, you understand the impulse of like, well, is it just me that has the problem? Right. You're like, I, you always have to like run it through that filter of like, am I the only one having a problem with this person? If so, maybe I can just like deal with it and just be like, you know, this is a personality difference and like we can fight through it. Right. But like the problem is when it's like universally, everyone's like, God damn it. Like this person just sucks. Of and course, it's just like, yeah. what are you going to do? Like, you know, it's, it, you know how shitty it's going to be to have to, for everybody to have to start that process over. But it's like, at what point do you, you know, is it worth pulling the trigger on, on going down that path and putting something on paper that says like, this person's a problem and we need to like, right. You know, we need it for the good of the show. Like we need to, we need to get them out of there. You know, I mean, obviously there's a line where that's obvious, but like sure. some people know how to live in that little sweet spot of like being like, like, jo- like they do their job like, just there, well enough. Fact. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm like just good enough at my job, but like, like, I can like emotionally abuse everyone around me, but then like retreat back to this safe, like, Oh, but I'm doing my job like just well enough. Like you don't want to like, you don't want to go down that road. Right. Yep. And it's just like, God damn, you're right. I really don't. God damn. You. <laughs> uh, God but, damn. Yeah. It sucks. But you know, they, I, I don't, uh, to, to circle back to like the initial point, like I think the potential for that job to be excellent is, is always good. I think that it, you know, I've always said like, you know, I have so many great friends that I've met on ships that I'm still very, very close to that. Like, man, I was like, if I could ever just handpick a group of people to just go out there, I mean, we would just have the best time, just the best time. And there's no worry that like someone's going to get bored and just like start, you know, right. Doing some crazy shit. Yeah. Causing and, nonsense. Just because they're bored. Yeah. It's a long time to be out there and like, you know, so such is life out there, I suppose. Have you been writing music recently? Cause I know that you, know, like, you were writing a lot of music and then I was literally thinking this to myself because I remember you played me. There was one night we were hanging out at the company housing that you lived in and you played me yeah. a song on the guitar and I, and I remember getting emotional to myself mm. and then also being like, Oh shit, I need to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> that was the mo- that was because the i was like this is like tight like this is my friend i haven't i i didn't hang out with a lot of people in guitar in uh like in guitar in high school who were um <laughs> like very musically inclined because we didn't have like a music sure. program at my high school so like sure. it was very very i don't know that that moment is like baked in my mind because you also told oh, me that no night kidding. people don't you're like you won't be good at this for eight years basically like you're like you need to start playing right now you're going to be bad for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard Harrison say that so many times. I think about that. <laughs> all, that I think about it with you. everything. That's so wild. I think about yes. that with everything. Truly. It's, it's hard. Like, yeah, no, I'm so sorry. Mantras. No, I was just going to say. It is, has it's become like, a mantra of mine. Like truly. when I'm like, I need to start doing this. I'm like, I need to start doing it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I got, I got lucky in that. Like <laughs> I, I picked it up at a time where I could like suck when like it didn't matter as much. You know right. what I mean? Like when you're a kid, mm. you know. I picked it up just early enough. Like, you know, you're going to be like a loser in high school anyway. So like, it doesn't fucking matter if you're also bad at guitar. You know what I mean? And and like, so so I get it. I, I, but it's, it's, it it is one of those things where like you do, you do just like wake up one day and you're like, Oh, I've, I've, I play guitar now. That's neat. 
don't know when that happens. Um, but it, it is, it is a grind and it's, it's hard. I mean, especially in the past, like year and a half, if you're trying to pick up anything new and you think like after a year and a half, you're just going to be like really good at guitar. And it's like, it's, it's going to be disappointing. It's just not going to work out that way. And, and, um, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work out that way. It's, it's not gonna, true. It's not, it's not going to work out that way. It's true. Uh, <laughs> and were no, you I, self-taught? then i like uh, more or less yeah i never i never took lessons i my dad's a guitarist so i've been around guitar my whole life and i think i like i was in like seventh grade and i was like dad i would like to play guitar now please (laughs) and and he was like word and he just like took out a bunch of post-it notes and he like wrote all the first position chords on post-it notes he like gave them to me he's like come to me if you have questions and I basically did that for like 15 years. So oh, wow. <laughs> I still, I still do that. I, I still, you know, I run into like a, like a progression or a chord or a voicing that feels funny. And I'm like, Hey, how do you play this? I'll still call him. Like, I, cause I, I sort of learned situationally. It's like you run into a song and you're like, Oh, I've never had to use this voicing or this vocabulary before. I wonder, and I'll just call and be like, Hey, like, what is this? And he'll just tell me, I'm like, great. That's a new thing for my toolbox. And then it just sort of evolves from there and then and then your writing gets better because then you're like oh i have this other tool, go-to tool and then and mm-hmm. by nature of like your own creative energy and this new tool you have they sort of just like come together and make something new uh but to answer your question no i have not written any new music recently uh i have actually answered this question uh recently too and i think I mean, Harrison, you know me, know me well enough to know that like, I, I write particularly well when I'm despairing about something. Sure. Uh, you know, you have to be suffering to, as an artist sometimes to write music <laughs> and, and, uh, and like, I, I sort of, you know, despite the pandemic and everything, like, like meeting Hannah and life kind of taking shape and things kind of like settling down in the post-college, like less craziness world. Like there just hasn't felt like I've never been much of a happy, happy up-tempo songwriter anyway. And so like, there just hasn't been a moment where I felt like, damn, I really got to sit down and like get, because it's really like therapy for me. Like I really have to like get it out of me. Um, and there was, there's not really a whole lot to, to purge in that way right now. And so there's never been a moment where I, I will just like, you know, wake up at 2am and be like, I gotta, I gotta like write this so that I, it's not in my brain and in my heart anymore. Um, but since since I last saw you, I, I've written one in particular that I've that I've been sitting on for probably about two three years now, actually. That I think is um, going to be pretty strong when it comes to time to like lay it down. That was like that last time I felt like I had something that I needed to like just get out. Sure. Um, I was about to ask you: Does it not bother you to be sitting on ideas? Because that's something that itches at me constantly. It's like if I have like, you know, things that I know I have like sitting around that just haven't been brought all the way to life like that is something that in the back of my brain sometimes, you know? No, I I 100% agree. And I think um, that just like, I mean, that that's that's more how the show happened, how the musical I'm working on happened. I I think that she this my songwriting is such like a a personal thing. Like I said, like it's it's less about like there's like an idea of something I'd like to write about and more like something has happened or there's something I'm going through that I need to make into a song. And like I said, there just hasn't been anything like compelling enough or, or moved me enough to like sit down and feel the need to do that. But I agree when it, when that last one that I wrote, like needed to come out like badly, like I, that was the last one that I sat down and like wrote it in like two hours and like barely changed it. Like I think some of my best stuff is like the stuff that you just write it and it's done. 
I feel like most of the things I come back and edit are the ones that are like less good because they, you know, you have to do some level of like control about it and, and craftsmanship mm. about it as opposed to just like it just comes out. One good take of the idea. Like one mm. good take of the idea is is usually plenty. Like yeah. Like if the idea is being communicated clearly, I think like just move on. You know, because yeah. you'll drive yourself fucking insane making things. Yeah, perfect. and you're and you're putting too much emphasis on on like the the after the the looking back at it at it as opposed to like what came out naturally like as like if you're trying to find a rhyme for something like you're probably not going about it the right way i feel like it, it's just been very serendipitous where it's like just say the thing that write the thing that you're feeling yeah and then just keep then just keep writing and then it's the song you know like that's right. and you know make little the lyrics are hard. And make it work but right because are hard. Like, also like most lyrics i don't know i i find that like a lot of lyrics if you read them or work to recite them sound insane you know yeah. that sure. and so like give yourself permission to like write stuff that doesn't really make sense because people are yeah. going to put meaning onto whatever the fuck you write you know that's true that's definitely true. And I think people have different writing styles too in that way of like, of course, yeah. I'm, I am very much my, my dad's son. And that like, you know, I grew up with singer songwriters and, and Jim Croce and James Taylor and Martin Sexton and all these guys who just write stories about their lives, basically, you know what I mean? So it's all, it's all very directly translated and literal in the sense that it's like, it's a story or it's a direct relaying of a certain feeling as opposed to right. like, an idea or or an abstraction or a uh, uh, sort of like a metaphor of an idea that can be interpreted yeah, like of course there's uh, so i i i think it just sort of depends on how like because i've definitely done a thrown stuff at the wall song too you know what i mean and that feels right. really good in its own in its own way and i think it's just a different approach for different people too um but yeah oh yeah well let's talk about the show a little bit because all like, right you know obviously it's tough when you're like a creative person and especially in live performance and you can't do that shit. And yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like this is an idea you've had for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Like that's right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something, you want to talk about yeah. it a bit. Yeah. I can talk about it a bit. It's uh, it is something that's been brewing for a while. It's actually kind of, kind of funny how it's, it's sort of like to your point about projects I sort of, this is sort of like a separate part of my brain than like songwriting. I feel like, but like projects that you've always thought would be cool. Yeah. But like it's never the right moment to like take the time to, to write it down or really spend any time on it. And that's one that's just been brewing for a while. It's one that like, um, it, it's, uh, it's a pop punk show, which is a genre of music that like all of us, like were touched by at some point when we were, you know, in our adolescent years is like our formative years. Sure. And it's a genre that was like very niche and very, uh, it was sort of like not cool to listen to at the time. You know what I mean? And so there's this sort of like, it's I remember like immediately like, oh. corny for some reason. Yeah. Like people I, yeah, it was, viewed it as being immediately corny, which I was like, there's so much like raw authenticity and they're just doing theatricality on top of it. You know? Like, exactly. Well, my, my buddy who's building the tracks actually put it really well yesterday. He's like, it's like, it's, it's basically like pop punk queen. Like it's literally just like, mm. it's, it's theater on top of, you know, on top of rock music and it's, or theatricality on top of rock music. And I think like, I mean, yeah, it, it's the inception of that idea started with that. Like, I remember that feeling of loving that music and not wanting people to like, know that I was listening to it. Cause it was like, really, like you said, immediately corny, which, you know, to us was a new feeling. I think like there are certain music you're like allowed to like, or like not allowed to like, it never really made sense. Cause like yeah. that music is awesome. It's awesome. Everybody likes it. 
but like you still never get that um validation of like your tribe of people that like you could have connected with over that music at that time and when we started getting into college you start to like look around and be like you other people really like this music too, <laughs> you know, as much as I do. And you sort of start to find that tribe of people that you're like, Oh my God, this music is kick-ass. Right. Like I always thought it was like, it is right. And then you start to compile these moments of like these songs coming on the radio and everyone kind of like looking around, like, do we, we love, we like this, right. We all love, yes, we do. We all love this. <laughs> this is great. And rocking out to that. And you sort of compile those moments over time. And like, you know, 10 years later, I'm, you know, I've, I decided to start compiling a playlist. I don't even know why I started doing this, but like I started making a playlist of songs that had that reaction where like it comes on in a bar or, or, or yeah. uh, somewhere in a car and everyone's like, Oh yes. Like I haven't heard this song in so long. Like this is so good. And, um, we're far enough away from it now that I feel like there's a, there's a level of nostalgia combined with that like reawakening of like i've always totally. loved this i've loved this since oh yeah like way back when and i thought to myself and and i collected that playlist over time and i remember i was i, I was actually on the ship and i was like had my phone plugged in djing and i was like you know what i'm just gonna go to this playlist and just start like rattling off some like 90s 2000s pop punk hits and just see what happens <laughs> and everybody just like lost their collective minds like tune after tune it was like oh like everybody was like yes i love this song and then i just started thinking to myself like what if we just have a show that's like 90 minutes of just that feeling just like the whole time of like oh this is so good and if we capture the essence of like that genre and what it did for us back then. So the show itself is structured around a 10 year high school reunion. So it's sort of tying back to that feeling of like loving that music as a kid and, and um, how you, how you felt about loving it relative to everybody else and how that translates to how you feel about it now as an adult and why that music was so impactful. As you said, like it was, it was, um, it was something really special at the time and now we can fully appreciate it sort of 10 years. There's later. like, like ownership about yeah. it at, at now in a way that maybe there wasn't, you know, when you were younger, everybody I kind of so. like keeps their, like keeps their taste to themselves about that. And then, and then at a certain, I don't know, I kind of like that the 10 year yeah. reunion, you know, everybody like has a little bit more like, I don't Confidence know. Confidence and assurance yeah, in yeah. their own palette right. yeah. and in their own yeah. likes. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's okay to like things. Like, it's okay. But it really it's, is. It's okay yeah. to like things that you like, like, you know, and like you said, like, and, and I think people sort of like forgot about it because they were like programmed to forget about it. Like they went mm -hmm. into college and it was like, you know, moved on to other genres, other genres emerged. Well, and also a lot of those more. bands broke up or turned yeah. out to be like pedophiles. Like I, just yeah, being correct. completely honest, like that is what happened to pop punk. Like, yeah, um, there were some fucked up dudes in a lot of those bands. A lot sure. of There's, those bands. Yeah. Pretty fucked up. Um, but the point is like the, the connection to what the music made every, the, the community and the feeling that the connection that music did was something that everyone clearly has held on to despite all of this time. And it was the and earliest conversation of mental health I can remember in music. Yeah. Like agreed. Is that like, mm -hmm. I never ever really heard about like, um, you know, suicide as like a thing that people do when they're depressed until I was yeah. listening to like good Charlotte and shit like yeah. that, you know, and like learning and people being honest about like having depression and, anxiety which is all that music is centered around that you know and kind Correct. of like youthfulness agreed and i honestly in, in my research for kind of going back and and getting ready for the show i actually found out that mcr i don't know if you know this 
you know that MCR was formed after 9-11, like, as a response of, like, coping with 9-11? Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen no Life idea. on the Murder Scene, mm-hmm. the documentary about them? It, it's no, free on YouTube. There's an upload version of it. I used to have the, like, CD, DVD of it. But mm-hmm. um, it, it talks all about how he, like, Gerard Way was on the train, like, headed into New York and from New Jersey and saw the, the planes hit. I had no idea. I had no idea oh. it was that specific of a connection because mm-hmm. they were just old enough to like probably process that in a way that we, we couldn't. I mean, I was he was like an intern. I think he was like an intern at a comics place. I want to say a comic. That makes sense. Yeah. I used to be like a and huge, you know, MCR. I love MCR. What do you, what you say used to? Um, <laughs> well, they don't really make music anymore. And that last album is not good. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. That is okay. No, it's, it's, I, I, it, it is that specific connection that I think is, is so valuable to us now. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's sort of started the conversation. I think that's why it's so stigmatized. It was so stigmatized then is because any sign of sort of like weakness or like connection to feeling or vulnerability was generally like, just like, don't do that. Like, don't do that. That's weird. That's, you know, you're, you're going to get pushed to the side if you, if you start listening to that and behaving like that. And I think that's and- a misconception about the genre in general, you know? Do you feel like that was kind of imposed by adults too? I feel like there was a lot of things that at least my parents were like, and a lot of parents of my friends were like, why are you listening? Why would you listen to something that's like talking about that? Like you're, you're yeah, too nothing's young wrong to in your life. That's, that's what I used to hear right. a lot. <laughs> right. I'm and like, everything is right. wrong. <laughs> yeah. But, it's just, but like, it's also just interesting that young people like continue, there's a big point in the Billie Eilish documentary that her mom would uh-huh. like harp on is like kids have always made sad music, like teenagers yeah. and young people have made sad music because shit is hard for them. Like, and why it, is because that? They're right. sad. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, right. Well, it's the like so, lack of autonomy and the like growing amount of autonomy. It's very confusing it's and complicated. like, right. it's yeah, very, exactly. very confusing. Yeah. yeah. Which is why, which is why like giving like, the whole like cranking it up in your car and screaming and crying it out like now like people still do that now you know what i mean like people but now it's just rappers doing emo music which is even crazier (laughs) like no 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 like that shit like little little uzi vert like doing like all my friends are dead it is the equivalent of fallout boy being like we're going down down in an earlier round like that is literally the fucking exact same it like, functions the same way, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it it and it's and so I think, cool to see too. It's like weird. It's like almost yeah. twenty, like ten years later ish. Music yeah, like, like follows these weird new. trends. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It definitely does. And I and the point is that people need that, right? The point is that yeah. it keeps happening because people need that. Like when I, um, like yeah, you you listen like Olivia Rodrigo, and you're like. No, like someone's done this before, but the reason right. that it's quite literally, works, actually, in fact, yeah, yeah they have writing credits. Yeah, correct. But like the point <laughs> is, like people, people need that, right? Like they need yeah. a new version of that. Like they could go back and listen to Paramore, and that would be awesome. Like you know, and it's still awesome. Mm-hmm. But like this is the new version of that, and that's why like it's okay that both of those things exist. Like that existed then, this exists now, and I guess right. the exploration of the show is yeah, it's good. And the exploration of the show is to say, like, what is there about those formative years and what we may not, what, what was really important about that music at the time that maybe had we, had we tapped into it more and used it the way that it was meant to be used without it being stigmatized, might we all be like a little bit more capable of dealing with stuff 
now, you know, like I just turned 30, like, and I'm still listening to this music and it hits me the same way it did back then. If I have the freedom now that I had, you know, back then that I have now to just sort of like get it out and feel, feel through my feels with that music, then, you know, it's its own form of therapy. And I, and I think, um, a lot of the themes of the show deal with that of like, where am I now? And what does that genre mean to me now relative to what it meant back then? You know, what was the kind of writing process like? It was, um, it was weird. It was a weird hybrid process. Obviously the timing was such that like, like I said, that'd been brewing for a while. And I think it was, we were, it was like April. Um, and we just like had all the time in the world and, and it just sort of like, it goes like in the shower and like one of those songs came on and I was like, you know what it was? It was, uh, I think it was shut up by simple plan. <laughs> right. And I was like, and I think I like made a note in my phone. I think I still have it. It's like, it was like, it says something like millennial spring awakening pop punk musical or something like that. And I just like made a note about that. Cause it's like, it is that it's like our spring, like, like an American spring awakening in the 19 late 1990s early 2000s and i was really fascinated by the idea and i had the time and the concentration to like just be like i'm just gonna sit down and just like type for a while um and just try to get from a to b and i sort of did that and then it just became a synopsis and a, like a like a narrative synopsis where it's just like here's kind of what happens in the here's what i think happens yeah. in this story um and then you know you sort of it, you sort of work backwards of like okay well, where would a song go Mm. Um, and then you start to, to form it that way. And then you just sort of start to reach out for collaborators and Harrison, you were one of those people that I immediately thought of, but I was like, Hey, is this, how's this working for you? Like, how does this, how does this concept sit with you? How does, does this story seem interesting to you? Does it seem like something that not only people our age would be interested in, but that would be sort of an exploration of like cross-generational thinking, right. um, a little bit. And, uh, so we sort of worked backwards in that way. And then I sort of started looking for uh, a script writer and looking for someone to help, help me build tracks. And um, from that point on, we were like, you know what, we have enough structure here to, to put some voices on this. So then we, we put out an audition notice and we made some signs and had this big audition push in December, which was really a really, really cool process because there was so much great talent out there and people just wanted to do stuff. And I totally oh, yeah. get that feeling. And I also really wanted to do stuff and I made sure that, that it wasn't like an audition audition. It was really just like, Hey, who would like to be in a play? Would anyone like to be in a play? Um, if you'd like to be in a play about this, then submit and we'll pick some people to be the leads in the play and everyone else will be in it as well. No one's not going to be in it. If you submit for it, you're going to be in it. I don't want anyone feeling like you're competing with anybody else right now. Like it's just going to be a fun thing that we can all do together. And the oh, response yeah. was nuts. Like we got such great, great response from everybody. And we ended up getting an incredible, incredible cast. And we've been working on this, this concept album for, it'll be a year in December. We're almost done with act one and it, it's been flying by and we did a fundraiser around Christmas time and we raised like a ton of money so we could pay everybody, which is really cool. Um, and cause you know, it's never going to be enough. Like no one ever gets paid enough, but I, I just wanted everyone to get something, you know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. deserves to get something for their work and for their talent. And so I was really, really humbled by the people that came out of the woodwork and, just were like, Hey, artists are struggling. And like, here's a, here's a tangible product. And here's a, a thing that 
people are actually working on, then that will go directly to those people that are working on it. So that was a really, really cool moment. And we've, we've got something really cool in our hands, I think. I should also just say like, we, it's a bit back in the conversation, but like when you t- say like you bounce some ideas off of me, like you sent me, what you sent me was 50 pages of, <laughs> you know, like it's not just like, hey, it called was. up my buddy and was like, hey, I'm thinking about maybe doing this. I mean, it was like 50 pages <laughs> of like treatment, you know, which I yeah. think is like so cool that you were like, I'm going to get the idea down. Then I'm going to like refine it with people that I, you know, uh, trust or am interested in their like opinion about it. And like, yeah. And then go into the process of like trying to go from yeah. there. Like I like input. So I, I found that very interesting. And I, I just wanted to give you more credit because it's not <laughs> like that is that, that, that was like serious shit, you know, like that. It wasn't just like bouncing ideas. Like you had the, the, the realized idea. I appreciate that, man. No, yeah, I, it was, it, it was a, it was a, um, I'm, I'm very meticulous when it comes to that sort of thing. And I, I think my, my worry was that in the past I've had ideas that have gotten, I've gotten ahead of myself and the sure. idea hasn't met, hasn't met the moments where I like, I'll, I'll get ahead of myself and, and, uh, it'll be too big for the moment for whatever it is. Hmm. And it was really important. Like this felt like the first time where the moment met the idea really nicely. And, um, I was like, I'm, I'm ready for this. Like, I know that I'm ready for this and I want to make sure that if I put everything that I have into this, that it is communicated in as clear and concise a way as possible. So there's no chance that the idea can kind of get away because it wasn't communicated thoroughly. So I made sure right. to be over, over communicative about like, here's what I think it is. Here's what I think it looks like. Here's what I think it sounds like. Here's what I think the message is. Um, here's what I think the tone is. And so I thought it was really important that like, I didn't want to miss the mark on this one. I kind of felt like there was a confluence of, of, uh, events there. And I, I really wanted to make sure that I, uh, nailed the concept home. What are like the, what are your goals for it? What are you hoping, you know, like next um, steps might be? Yeah. So we're, so the idea right now, we're working on this concept album. The idea is to get some, it's truly a concept album in every, in every way in that we've made an album before there's any staged version of anything because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. obviously it was not practical. And I really didn't want to do a digital production because I, it just didn't feel like, like it was in my wheelhouse. It didn't feel like sure. conducive to what I'm the way that I'm used to working. And so I thought, well, we have this synopsis and we have this music and how are we going to, you know, how can we make something before we're able to, um, take it, you know, take it to the next step and, and sort of get people interested in it. So the concept album is sort of a way to like, uh, give you a a sense of like, this is what it could be. This is what it might be. Right. Um, And it's also like in the style of old rock musicals, like immediately Jesus Christ Superstar comes to mind, you know what I mean? (laughs) Where it's like a concept album first and then it, you know, and then it gets staged in Uh, all the, but to have yeah, it like definitely. fully, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's very smart. I also Thanks. just have to say, like, I have been talking to actually a few people who are, you know, also exploring the idea of writing shows. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself in a lot of these conversations, like, I think that like going with getting a script together, getting some kind of recorded material together, if you can use modern software to record, like, yeah. you can get the sheets for every single part, like, pulled out pretty immediately. And if mm-hmm. you go with a full show somewhere, 
you know, where they don't have to hire an orchestrator, they don't have to hire an arranger, they don't have to hire, you know, all this other extra stuff. Like, yeah, I just see that having a much better shot than like going in, you know, with a uh, a script and a couple idea like snippets to play. You know, like saying uh, this is the this is the full text like, and this is the full text. You know, even just like yeah, it's better than like going in with lead sheets. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Having, yeah, something like that is invaluable. Yeah. Well, and we want to be able to sit down with the theater and say, like, look, like, you don't have to imagine it. Like, here it is. Exactly. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I so much of my like a big critique that I've had of the industry in, in my you know time working post college is like. The especially my critique on Broadway right now is like it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. Like if the core of the work isn't good, like it's not going to be good. Like it's just not going to be good. And you have to spend the majority of your time making the product good. Right. Like people wonder like, where does a show like, I don't know, like come from away, come from like, obviously like it's the source material, et cetera, et cetera. But like, nobody was like, you know, nobody was like, oh, we'll do like a, it's not like Mrs. Doubtfire. You know what I mean? Like nobody will like, we'll do a Mrs. Doubtfire. It was not born in a boardroom. You know, it was likely born in a, you know, it wasn't born in an office in Manhattan, you know, a big office. It was born in probably someone's living room over, you know, over dinner, you know, like, yeah. or, or sitting watching TV or over like, a joint or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's or drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's just, it's very frustrating to see these shows that, that, you know, and then people are like, Oh my God, these shows have so much heart and they're so good. And people are really worried about name recognition. So they're like, let's do right. Shrek the musical. And you're like, why though? Like, but why do we need right. that? Like, I, I just don't, it's fun. And like, if it at, like, I always use like Chicago as an example, like Chicago is the perfect example of like a show that could be made into a movie because the things that movies can do actually add to the concept of the show. Right. That's a reason to make a movie out of a musical. It's like by changing mediums, you make the show better or different. You, you add something to it. You don't just like do Shrek the musical and be like, look, it's the movie, but it's on stage. Look, you're like Shrek. Yeah, it's Shrek. And like, where can we? And that's pretty much it. Look at Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. And that show, to go on a slide tangent, everyone's heard me. Probably all my friends are going to roll their eyes. They've heard me go on the Shrek rant so many times. But like, the, the thing that's so annoying about Shrek is like, it's doomed to fail because the movie is already the best version of that material, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right, but then you. It's mo- it's Mike Myers and it's, and it's Eddie Murphy. And mm-hmm. like, you're getting you're Cameron play, Diaz. Like honestly, all Diaz. three of them are so good. 100%. And like you go into that show, they pitch it as like, Oh, it's going to be the movie on stage. And you go up there and you expect donkey to be Eddie Murphy. And so he's doing the, I'm making waffles line, or he's doing whatever the lines they ripped from the movie. And you're either one of two things are going to happen. A, you're going to give the exact Eddie Murphy delivery and people are going to be like, uh, I already heard that. Or like, that's from the movie. Or you're going to do something different and it's going to be less funny because it's not Eddie Murphy doing it. They also you know got I mean? and they also got a fucking art composer to do it. Like <laughs> Janine Tesori, I'm sorry. Like I love Janine Tesori very bizarre. much, but she's like a t- she's too. like a tier. Like you need to go down on the iceberg I of musical theater a, a level or two before you get to her. You know, I agree. I agree. And, I mean, and, they definitely clearly she she <clears throat> that was that was 
But that, then you look at something like Legally him. Blonde, which is like such an enhancement upon the original film. Like, Agreed. I love the fucking Legally Agreed. Blonde musical. Agreed. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I do too. I really do. And that's the difference of like, you know, and it's not a comment like on the performers at all. Like, they're doing a job. They're working with, they didn't write the show. They're just doing it, doing the best they can with it. But like, a show like Mrs. Doubtfire, you see it rehearsing and you're like, they take a moment, like they take a small moment that was like kind of funny in the movie and they blow it up into a whole song. And the whole oh, song yeah. is just like, remember Death. this, remember this, remember this, remember this, mm. remember when this happens. And it's just like, guys, like you're putting, well, that's how I feel about Mean Girls, here. to be honest. Like, I've never seen Mean Girls. So I can't I've listened to it and I'm just like, hey, it's all just like, hey, remember the burn book? Hey, do you yeah, remember like, like uh, do you remember this famous line? Do you hey, do you remember yeah. that on Fridays we in fact or on Wednesdays we uh wear pink? Well, yeah. okay. Do you remember that? What Anybody? I will Anybody? say <laughs> What I will say for the Mean Girls musical. And listen, I'm, I'm not, never getting cast in I'm any not, show ever again. <laughs> I, not, I talk too much. You don't want to be in Mean Girls. You don't want to be I'm in Mean Girls. I'm not trying ever. to like I'm not going to die on the hill of Mean Girls, but I will defend it to this point because I love the movie. And I'm wondering how movie. could you possibly do yes, it better? Really. And the way, but they don't try to necessarily do it better. I think they just try to do they, it differently. They try to just do it. They're not like, do well, it. no, they're not like, in, in, to the point you made, they're not putting the lines like as the iconic lines are sung now because we have sure. to elevate them somehow. Right. So the way to elevate it is to put it in a song and kind of right. switch the context. And it becomes it's just cyclical. like we're singing it's the like. like we're singing the Glenn Coco line really quick for an instant in a song or, or whatever. And which I don't, I don't, I disagree to your point, Harrison, that they make the entire, I'm the just book is a huge plot point. <laughs> okay. No, it's not. I'm just goofing and riffing. I mean, course, everybody, but, everybody so remembers I, the iconic but, fart <laughs> scene in Shrek. You know, <laughs> I don't know. We don't need to, we don't that's need to do a entire song. It right. is a whole song. It is a whole song. And I, again, I, right. I, I abstain from the Mean Girls conversation because I have not seen it, so I don't know. But the point being... I haven't seen the show either. Point. I'm just talking I'm wild not. shit. Me either. Me either. I've only ever listened to it. And the entire Broadway cast of Mean Girls is like, fuck all of you guys. <laughs> um, the uh, No, but like, bringing it back to the initial point of like, the reason those things don't work are because somebody's saying they're doing they're reacting they're they're doing outward in they're saying like how can we create this product with something that's already worked and they're trying to do an equation right they're trying to go exactly this plus this will equal profits baby (laughs) and listen there's nothing wrong with making profits on theater but like it'd be great if it was good you know it'd be great it'd be great if it like involved some artists that were like good at writing and like good at you know composing like instead of just throwing like tony award winners like at a project and be like can you make this good it's like probably not because the idea is terrible like it's not a good idea it's set up to fail and and my point is like start with a good idea right and like make the idea really good and then if it doesn't work out like then it won't be the idea's fault it'll be some other or maybe it will but like then it fails on its merit. It doesn't fail because like there's no name recognition or like there's no like, and, and that's one of, that was one of the things I wanted to do with the show of like, I want it, even if it doesn't succeed, like on the scale that we hope it does, even if there's a group of people that are like, there's the show that I listened to one time and I, it really worked for me and it really did something cool for me. Even if it only exists in kind of like a cult sort of like, uh, you know, off, off, off Broadway situation, like, 
that would still be plenty for me knowing that like the idea was good and that like commercially just didn't work out. Um, cause I feel better about it. Like as an artist in that way, that like it would affect people in a meaningful way, even if it's not commercially successful, of course um, it'd be great. If it, but the point is like, it'd be great. I, I don't understand why we can't have both. Right. I don't understand why we can't invest in projects that are like new and not Mrs. Doubtfire and not, you know, and not Shrek and not, you know, it, it just, it, we just don't need that. We need new stuff. We need new cool stuff. I'm with you on that. I worry that the audience is just not there yet. Like, and I really used to be someone who go, that's such fucking bullshit, blah, 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 blah. But you know, I'm, I, I like worry a little bit that the audience is still a little too old and a little too white to like take on the brunt of a lot of like, I, you know, I have, from what I know of your show, I think there are a handful of like 60 plus year olds who would enjoy it, yeah. but I don't see it playing a hundred percent well to them. You know, like I, I agree. There's definitely some outreach to do. I mean, part of it is that our demographic is, and I don't, I that's no disrespect. It means just like no, the, the no, no, theater no. going audience is a lot of that. Is They're that, just older. Know? I totally yeah, right, get right, it. Right. No. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not naive to that, but it's, I think a, I think our we're in a unique position where our generation are becoming ticket buyer age, you know, correct, of ticket buyer age and consuming. And millennials are also like, I don't know what the cutoff is, but millennials are also like 41 or something. Like, right, like, right, right, right. like our generation, like people that grew up on like Nirvana and like these late 80s, early 90s, um, early 90s bands, like they all can still tap into this. And like those are for like, if I saw... Like hypothetically, if I saw a bill, like a, a, a show, bill, a musical billing that looked like a Warped Tour billing, I'd pay 30 bucks to go see that off Broadway. You know what I mean? Like I would go right. to that. You know what I mean? And the right. idea is to sort of tap into that. Like if we can get it going there, then if the music is good, if the story is good, and if we, we nurse that intergenerational narrative, which as since you've read it, you know, like there's a big there's a big connection of like, where is the, it, it's actually very apropos of what we were talking about before is this happens every generation in a different form. And this was ours. Right? That was a huge so, thing that I was very connected to in my first read of the, the tree. Yeah. I remember you, you know, saying remember, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like the space between like the generations of like how we can connect over the feeling that that music made us feel, even if it's not the same music doing it, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, however, Olivia Rodrigo makes a Gen Z person feel is exactly how it made, how, you know, Paramore made me feel and us feel back then. It's like, the important thing is how can we bridge the gap of that conversation and say like that music at that time affected all of us in the same way. And can't we connect over that? You know? Yeah. It's time to have the conversation about pop punk being good. It's it's time. <laughs> it's, it's time. time. I don't. I don't mean. I'm writing that article that. for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. I'm not. <laughs> listen. I'm not. You know. It, it is a very niche thing. It's something that. It, but it's, it's not. not something that it's I'm, really not. Like its influence on culture, contemporary culture, yeah. is so fucking huge. I mean, like, like I was joking about rap all being emo music. Now it literally is. Yeah. Like that's not a yeah. joke. You know. Like. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny, you know, it, and like you said, it, history repeats itself. And I mean, it's a niche thing in that, like, I don't know, I could see it being its own. I don't see a place. I don't see anyone other than American Idiot really doing what our show is trying to do. Um, 
And American Idiot has that. a lot of flaws and doesn't have as much story as yours does. You know, well, like, and that's yeah, yeah. I, well, I appreciate that. I, I that's always been a complaint of mine too about that kind of music. Is like I never understand why you can't have both. Why you can't have the nostalgia factor and a really good story? Because Billy Joe Armstrong wrote some slam poems that he wanted yeah, to fair, get out there into fair. the world, <laughs> and they're pretty and good. They're actually very good. They're good slam poems. They are. They are indeed. Um, but it's like, how do we tap into that and also bring it back to this generational thing of like, A, like it explores a lot of like what it feels like to be approaching 30. Like there's a right. lot to unpack there and there aren't a lot of plays that examine that particular moment. And I don't mean to make that any more or less important than anything else that theater explores, but it's just a thing to explore that I don't know that we've explored and using this medium to kind of tap into that. Yeah, of course. Oh. Is this your first time writing a show or like working on crafting a narrative and like characters and things like that? Uh, I wrote a show in college with a buddy of mine, Ben, and it was very much my, our first musical. Like it was very, it had all of the problems that, you know, two 19 year olds writing a musical would have. Sure. Um, but that's how you learn, right? Like that's how you yeah. grow. I still think it was, there were a lot of really, really cool things about it. I still reflect on it fondly, but I think that, um, th that process was a little different in that he was my, like, he was, uh, my collaborator on that, like full on the whole time. So he was like, I'm going to write the scripts. Like we'll shape the story together. You'll be mm -hmm. the music guy. I'll be the script guy. Um, so it was sort of similar in that I, I think I did it the same way where I crafted the narrative in like a synopsis form ahead of time. And I said, like, these are where I think the songs go and here's what I think yeah. happens in the songs. Yeah. Um, but as far as it panning out on this extent, that was a learning experience. So I think set me up for, for this. So I've, I've dabbled with that in the past, but I've never considered myself really like a writer writer. I've never seen myself like as someone who could write a, a script. I've always thought of myself as more of a like, concept guy and director with someone else's content. So that's been kind sure. of a, an interesting thing to, to, to dive into. I, I, I like writing in general, but like writing scripts is, is sort of, has always been a little scary to me. So it was nice having a sure. partner in that Super way. daunting. And, yeah. 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 What, what do you, what would you say is like a lesson learned or, or like a, a lesson learned from the first one that you, from writing the first musical that you then kind of were able to, I don't know, anticipate or I think, you know, avoid learn from in your second one. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, well, you just sort of, you, you get some more, some more years behind you and you start to think about things a little, in a little bit, a little bit totally. smarter and a little bit more mature. And I think, I think ultimately trusting your audience more, like I, I, hmm. uh, I worked really hard, like on this synopsis, like Harrison will tell you, like you said, like it was a pretty epic first synopsis. I was trying to fight my impulse to over explain, but also make sure to be like, no, this is important. Only have this right. like a treatment. I mean, yeah, like it exactly. really was like you could read it, um, and, and get the full experience. You know, you were taken through so. the entire show. And I think I, I wanted to trust them enough to say, and, and I think involving more people was a big learning thing too. Like early mm. on, ask a lot of questions of a lot of people be like, cool. Does this, does this scan for you? Like, does this, because you want to do, as much as possible with as little as possible, you know, right. you don't want to mm -hmm. be like, here's the story. And like, do you guys get it? This is the story. Are you getting it? I just want to make sure you get it. If you get it, like, do you need me to write more dialogue? Are you getting it? Like, boom, trust you know, beating, yeah. beating them over the head being like, yeah. Do you slop pigs understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like, 
that's how exactly. I do feel like a lot of a lot of stuff like entertainment is written like that. Like yeah, and know. it's it's a natural impulse, especially for for people like me that are very like you know I, I've made a thing and I don't want to be misunderstood or or right, have my point right, missed because right. it's all in totally. here and in here it's awesome and I want to make sure that like what I'm hearing in my head is what I'm picturing in my head is conveyed to you so that you can be as excited about it as I am. And so I think you right. have to sort of curb, curb your impulse to like, so just tell the story and just get feedback and write exactly as much as is needed, no more and mm-hmm. no less, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that takes a lot of, a lot of self-control. And again, just, just experience of like, you get more awareness of like little tricks and little things that other shows have done where you start to catch yourself being like, Oh, I'm doing the, I'm doing the, the, the I'm doing the spring awakening thing. Like I, right. I, or I'm doing, I'm doing the rent thing. Like that's already like, and, and you start to realize when you're being contrived, you start to realize like, Oh, sure. I'm recycling that. And where did that come from? But, um, sort of similar to songwriting. It's like, you just let it, let it write itself. Don't try to write it just like, uh-huh. and, the, and then what happened, you know, and then what would happen, you know, in this right. situation and sort of let the math of it kind of play itself out. And then just, just kind of honestly, uh, get, get feedback for what works and what doesn't. And then it just kind of becomes a puzzle, at that point, you know, just putting the puzzle together and, and, um, seeing what, seeing what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. you have mentioned having, okay. You mentioned obviously like a great affinity for pop punk music. Hmm. You mentioned that your dad is like singer, songwriter, guitarist. You also have a deep knowledge about musicals. So I'm just, you, clearly you have like expansive taste. I'm wondering what are some of your like favorites? Like maybe give me like a no skip album or like a your favorite artist or something to sum My up current, your... Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a good challenge. Um, for each of the, for each of those different sort of facets, the, yeah. uh, the right now, I mean, I've always been really like a dog chasing cars with music, truly like whatever sort of mm. grabs me or whatever someone sort of forces in front of my, cause I'm really bad about listening to new stuff. And then someone like locks me in their car and like forces me to listen to it, which is sort of counterintuitive to like someone who really <laughs> loves music, but I'm very, I'm very just like, okay, I like this music and I'm just going to keep it right here. And like, this will uh-huh. be, but it just has to be somebody will put something on and, and I'll just listen through it. And, um, like, it'll take me like two years to get through a John Mayer album. Cause I'll listen to like a song and be like, cool. I need to process that for like eight months. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, you know, but, but my current no skip album is definitely, um, living room by Lawrence. That was like, they're like my, oh. my new obsession right now. Like I'm obsessed I with them. I love Lawrence. They're so great. Oh, and they're, they yeah. hit me like right where I live. There's such a confluence of like all the things that I love about, you know, pop, pop and uh, jazz yeah. and funk music. And, um, oh, and I just love, album. I love their sound and I love, yeah. I love how they pair together and I love that they're, they're young brother, sister duo. Right. Um, and so that just hits me right where I live. Like, I love that, that shit. That yeah. album is just Same. so great for me. Um, I, I immediately like, I think it was song one and I think more came on. And I literally like turned my buddy, Sam has been like the arbiter of all this music. It's been amazing. Like, listen to this. It's like, it just came up on a Spotify mix and he played it. And I was like, who are these guys? And we just kept listening. And I was like, damn, like a banger after banger after banger just like really hit me. And, um, so yeah, that, that's definitely my, my, uh, uh, no skip album for like pop stuff. Um, 
Martin Sexton is a guy that uh, has been kind of floating around since I was younger. I've, I'm sure I played you some Martin Sexton when we were, when we met Harrison, but oh yeah, he's like, he's like a big story song guy, um, which sort of hit me like where with the kind of music that my dad grew up listening to. So he's like the, he's like my James Taylor almost. Uh, oh, okay. Sure. So if you ever want to check out uh, something of his, uh, his live stuff is, is I think way better than his album stuff. That's where he thrives. Um, so if you get a chance to listen to his like uh, solo, I think it's just called solo. It's just him and his guitar, and he does like a bunch of concerts, a bunch of really great stuff. And uh, as far as musical theater world goes, I haven't listened to a lot of like new cast albums or anything um, recently. I'm like super weird about cast albums, which is kind of ironic. Um, but like, I get I, I I feel a ton of FOMO because I'm like so connected to all like theater music like gets me like right in my core and so whenever i listen to something i'm like god why can i i'm not in it why i'm not in it like it like, <laughs> makes me sad that i can't like be a part of this like amazing thing i want to be part of it now so it's just like a big tease to listen to it which is why it totally. took me like eight, eight years to listen to hamilton not that i would ever be in <laughs> hamilton but like it's like damn there's this really really great theater and like you know it, it's so cool and i just feel so much like performing fomo with albums so i haven't listened to like a ton of albums but i'm slowly introducing hannah to musical theater albums and we went and listened to uh lipa's wild party and she's hooked on that just oh, the confluence yeah. of great album rock and jazz and musical theater. And it's just, it's just such a great lesson from top to bottom. So it's been cool yeah. reinvesting in that. And the performances of that, the cast of that original album is, like, is insane. It's bonkers. It's just yeah. like a who's who of like, who's going to be super famous in like two or three years. And after this album comes out, mm-hmm. um, so that that's probably our, uh, the one that, that floats up the most often right now. Man. Good answers, really good answers. Yeah, all really three. Good yeah. answers. <laughs> oh, good. They're they're solid. Again, it's okay to like things that you like. Just like those things. Yeah, just <laughs> like those things. And um, I would be remiss before we go if we didn't talk about the fact that you turned me on to falsettos which you oh know, yes, of oh, course. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It was this is like a cornerstone of. It's like cornerstone. Well, it just made me think that like Like, musical theater is so much fucking tighter than like, I don't know. Like it's, it's the only like poppy Sondheim show, you know, and it's not even a Sondheim show. Like it is so poppy. It has so much richness and that original recording and that double album. Oh my God. That double album is perfect. It's so good. The mix. Yeah. The mix, everybody singing <laughs> so good and like shit at the same time. People going yeah. sharp and flat, like it is epic. It is like it's the company. People love the yeah. company recording because they're like, oh, you hear people like singing bad. I'm like, no, you yeah. listen to falsetto's recording where they are yeah. ripping so hard and then like yeah. falling off notes and stuff like that. Yeah, it's and awesome. It's the best recording of a show ever. And I, that's I think you also like it because of the niche factor. Like that definitely adds value for him because oh, yeah, for he's sure. constantly are you, like are you probably try, hold on. Are you trying to tell me that Harrison only likes niche things? Is that what you're trying to say to me right now? <laughs> well, he just Perhaps. likes to like have to just to have that like that edge on people. Like he'll be tweeting, he'll tweet probably once a month, like, if you don't listen to this album, like yeah, you fuck are not you. better. Yeah, than correct. Me. <laughs> yeah, correct. No, this is why this is why we love you. I'm sure this is why this is is one of the many reasons that I love you. Um, no, it, it's, it, it is one of those albums that, um, 
it just the cast clearly had such a a magical experience in that run and it translated to the album so perfectly Mm -hmm. um and they gave us their performances on the album like they didn't go into the studio and do the studio version and that's what was so i got through one fucking track of the falsetto's revival album i was like no absolutely not i saw it in new york no 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 no. that was a reproduction that was somebody's best stab at like throwing some names that like a show that people like it was just such a such a waste and i feel like whoever directed that like didn't get what was good about that show like people didn't understand like what what's so moving and so human about that show it was james lapine which is also like fascinating that he got his swing at the directing like side of it and the tour was better it's just tour i i do mean what i said i talked i've talked about the tour on this podcast before we had nick on the show nick blameyer and he uh oh word and i was like you know i loved the tour of that production even though the staging i didn't agree with 100 percent yeah here and there but you know we all we all have our vision you know yeah sure and and the thing is it's very it's a very weird show like it's very abstract like i remember thinking the first time i listened to it like surely there are scenes between some of these songs I remember thinking right. like, right. like where, like this must just be one of those albums that skips the scenes or skips any dial, most of the dialogue. And then you see the show and you're like, you, you know, you watch a, a recording of the original and you're like, Oh, Oh, cool. Like, cool, mm. cool, cool. It's, 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 it's sort of like Shakespearean in that like you act on the line, like you're not acting ahead of the line or behind the line. Like it's all in the text there. And mm. it's sort of written in like just just like prose it's just like sort of uh, it, yeah totally there, even though there are tons of hooks he's like a hook machine it's like <laughs> he, he is a hook I machine mean, on that record he is Damn. that that guy is just like hey i'm gonna put like 19 like fun little figures that i've had bumping around and i'm gonna like find moments that they are perfect for and just like like you're the child has like three or four different just like <laughs> a <laughs> hitter you're the child the original if you listen to nothing else from that album listen to listen the, to you're the child. oh yeah. my god it bangs the percussion is ripping it's so good it has so much heart and it deals with something so like it's it's like the normal heart it's the it's the only musical other than rent that i think does that talks about the aids crisis in a way that was really meaningful like mm-hmm. in, in at least in my limited you know knowledge of of musicals on that topic but like it does that so so well it deals with it so gracefully and really deals with the human impact of like what that did and why it was important and why and how it touched people's lives in a personal way. And it sort of comes out of left field, which is why it's so impactful. Right. It's right. like, it's not, it's not an AIDS play in that like, it's a story about AIDS. It's a story about a family going through something entirely unrelated. They get stricken by this. Right. It just out plays nowhere. out. It plays they out the way that run into each other. Yeah. The way that people's actual lives like played out where that right. thing just like collided with what they it already had happened. going on. It's yeah. also one and of a handful of them. Yeah. It's also right. one of a handful of musicals that starts in conflict and then ends uh, like having a different conflict, you know, like agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And, and I love sort of like it's... life. If you've ever heard of it. <laughs> well, no, I haven't, I haven't read about that one. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love that. It's also like two separate shows that it's sort of like part one and part two in that mm-hmm. a, part like act two is like an entirely different show like in a good way right. like they set up like they're like they're like hit the reset button they're like great so like that happened and then this whole other thing happened in part right. two and obviously there's then trousers that's like even the prequel to that but like 
I love that. I love the storytelling nature of that. I love the sort of run-on sentence prose nature of the show and the heart. And they ca- the cast was just perfect. I mean, Michael Rupert is just like, just just perfect moment in time. Like not not a voice for like a lot of other shows. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't fit well in like some other shows from that decade. But for whatever reason, that like, it was just perfect. Like it, he was, he is Marvin like forever and always. So, like it's, it's always. so, so cool. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of the coolest things ever. And what a great cast. But yes, thank you for, thank you for invoking that because I, I haven't talked about that show in a long time. So thank you for that. Oh my God. Thank you. My pleasure. Can you tell, can you both tell the listeners like your origin story, the two of you, like how you, <laughs> we've, yeah, sure. here we've been yes. talking for when we, 15 minutes. And, uh, uh, when we locked eyes first, Um, uh, well, we both, uh, we both booked this job in, at a theater company called infinity, which was relatively new at that point. It was only like their second season or something like third, Um, maybe. Yeah. Like third. Yeah. We were pretty early on. Yeah. And you were, you were living in and out my parents yeah 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 yeah, yeah. because this was like yeah this is before you even just before college or first year before i was about to go to college about to go to college right and then i had just graduated college and uh just through a confluence of events they were doing like an actor music show which kind of fell in my wheelhouse and harrison got hired at the same time for a subsequent show and we just both were working there at the same time and and uh and sparks flew as it were yeah, I, I I don't even know. Like we just uh, we hit it off pretty well. Yeah, um, I think you know. In that time, it's like you sort of like know your tribe when you sort of like you like meet mm-hmm. somebody and you're both like, "Yep." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Like, I couldn't even tell you how it's hurt, but we were thick as thieves yeah. that whole summer. I mean, like we were. We, and thank God for you, man. That that was a and and you know that that ended up being a really important experience. I think too, not only because we met each other, but like I, I'm I'm glad we met each other at that point. I think that was really important for both of us. And then we sort of like went our separate ways for a while. I mean, a good while. And, um, it's kind of cool to circle back and, and see like, um, cause I still think about a lot of the stuff that we talked about then as well. And, and it's kind of cool to see how that all, what, what we learned from each other in that moment, how it kind of comes full circle, uh, all these years later, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you're also like, you know, you're one of my, uh, you're one of my friends that like, I really truly value and that we do go our separate ways. And then when we reconnect, it's like, you know, Nothing it's ever it's really cool. There was no question that when I finished the show, I was like, Harris has got to read the show. Like you're somebody that I immediately on an artistic level, like we were one of those people that could just like have a conversation about, um, something. And like, I wish this was different about the industry or I wish, or this is something that's always bothered me. You can talk about it on that level and you can kind of break it down and build it back up in a way that's like, we're going to go out there and we're going to try to change some shit. You know, we're going to try to, to make it a little better. And, um, and and go our separate ways and when we come back we'll talk about it but like i trust your opinion a lot i trust that like if i was to give 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 something personal to someone and say you know give feedback with this without being like you know i'm gonna give some feedback on this it's like i mean like really like i trust you to give me some honest like you know feedback that's going to be helpful to me um I, I trust you 100% to do that i think we've always been on the same wavelength of that with that kind of thing which is really refreshing to have and valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm really um, grateful for that. I'm very grateful for that as well. Uh, the last thing that I want to hit on is mm. the uh, is the fact that you're about to play Shreddy Eddie, which is <laughs> makes me so oh excited gosh. because I love that script and I love that play. 
so yeah. much. And when I was doing that play, it was like a very meaningful thing to me because I was having a very yeah. hard time in my personal life. Sure. Um, so that play means a lot to me. And I'm just very, it's very cool to see that like, it's only had a handful of productions and like to yeah. know that like one of the handful of productions of this play that I love, like my, like my bro is going to be doing the same track, like makes me yeah. so fucking stoked. Yeah. I'm super, super excited about it, man. And I, I, when I, when I saw the title, cause obviously I saw that title, I associated that title with your name immediately. Cause I remember you speaking so highly of it and I was so bummed to not be able to get to see you do it. And I remember that title popped up on their season and I immediately was like, Harrison, I need to ask Harrison about this. Mm-hmm. So I immediately was like, yo, like, tell me about this play. Is there, is there a role for me in this play? And you were immediately like, yes, there is. And this is what it is. <laughs> and, uh, here's the script and read it. And I did. And, uh, you know, typically, you know, even maybe it's just my own hubris or my own, uh, insecurity, but like, I typically don't submit for, for plays. Um, I'll submit for full seasons that have plays in them, but rarely will I be like, I'm targeting this play. And I think mm-hmm. Harrison's confidence in, in the material and, and endorsements of the project made me be like, you know what? I think, and then obviously I read it and I was like, Oh my God, like this is, it's I mean, so I gotta good. Do this. well, and it's, it's just one of those plays where it's like, the, these characters talk the way I talk and they're, they're dealing for, with the exactly. things that I'm dealing they're, they're like the people who that show yeah. is right for it is right like you know it fits like a glove like I had the same experience you had reading the script where I was like oh yeah. my god holy yeah. shit like this is the way that I talk so this is going to fit very well that's exactly. why immediately when you like mentioned the name I was like oh dude like this is like conversations you gotta that we this. have about art like you have to do mm. this like well and there are even scenes I mean even you know the scenes with Nina are all just like exactly that's the same the same conversations right. like yeah the same the same level of banter and the same the same camaraderie and the same generational uh kind of vibe and I'm, I'm super super excited i'm probably on my like third or fourth read of it now and every time i read it i'm just like i'm having more and more fun with it and i i can't wait to 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 get on stage and, and put some some names to faces and and uh also just like get super uncomfortable again i haven't done a straight play since college and i also haven't done a comedy since college so like those two things are going to be really uncomfortable in like the best way possible mm-hmm. um and i'm excited to do something that i'm not as polished at like i, I want to put the guitar right. down which is ironic because like you know i've you know play guitar for 20 years only to pretend to play it in this oh dude and they we had somebody come in and consult like somebody who competes and like oh my the huge god thing with, like competitive awesome. air guitar is that they like don't want you to hold it like a normal guitar so like yeah. we had to practice on fucking brooms dude yeah which oh was like god. so tight and so counterintuitive and cool man. she You're says that so in the fun. script uh-huh. she's like if you have if you have like air guitar people in the area like hey you should see them for roles or like get them involved somehow yeah, we had somebody in our show it. doing it they were the awesome. announcer it was tight yeah yeah amazing so yeah i'm super super excited to, to get uncomfortable again and put my guitar down and, and step away from the cruise ship glam and, and just like do a fucking play where i can't hide behind anything it's just me and some scene partners and some fucking lines and it's like hey mm-hmm. like sink or swim my dude get out there you want to be an actor like pandemic's wrapping up so like hopefully so like <laughs> yeah. get back out there and do it you know so and when is that running that runs uh i believe it's mid october through november 7th uh so it's like a four week run um like eight shows a week it's it's gonna be a ton of fun and you know so it's fun. probably gonna be one act like in and out um and and uh 
yeah, it should be a really great time. It's a theater I've worked for uh, several times, so a lot of familiar players, and and uh, should be a nice way to dip my toes back in and see if I remember what the fuck I'm doing. Right. Will you? Yeah. Uh, and we let people know what theater that's at and where they can of like, course. get tickets and stuff like that. Yeah, it's the Human Race Theater Company. It's in Dayton, Ohio. It's it's the one union house in Dayton. It's the, uh, a lot of folks that went to Wright State, where I went to school, um, have worked there. They have a relationship with the theater just down the road. So it's kind of like going home, which feels right, sort of in this resurgence of theater coming back. It feels like a reset button. So there's a lot of serendipity going on, and I'm not you know naive to it, and I'm not, and I'm very very grateful and excited and, and going to make the most of it for sure. So Human Race Theater Company, Dayton, Ohio, uh, and uh, you can. Get tickets there if you're in the area. And how can people support your show and uh, and all the other stuff you do? Uh, well, we've got so um, we're doing periodic releases. If you if you go on Facebook, uh, the hashtag is that reunion show, and uh, our uh, you can get on Facebook and you can follow us there. We're on Instagram as well. We're doing periodic track by track releases of every song as we finish them. So oh, cool. uh, our donors get first first crack at them and then uh we do a release where if you respond to any of the social media posts that we put up um we send you a private link to a brand new track so you can check it out that way you can get familiar with the album um if you're interested in that songs that have already come out just shoot me a message um and we'll see what we can do for you and then also uh on soundcloud uh for my individual stuff i have uh, patreon all the all the fun artist supporting stuff We'll put all uh, that all up connected. in the description. Yeah, it's all connected all to yeah, each yeah. other. So, uh, but if you if you search that reunion show, you'll find all kinds of fun stuff. And our cast is amazing, and our team is excellent. So, if you want to get on board, now is the time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hell yeah! What are you doing with the rest of your day? I got another podcast to do, man. Believe it. Damn. I know. Uh, I'm doing. My buddy Don is is doing another uh, a, a similar uh, kind of talk, just about life and art and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, I take a little thirty minute breather and then uh, hop on another one of these bad boys. But uh, yeah. Oh man, it was fun. really uh, it was really good to see you. You too, man. I, I hope we can uh, we can connect again. Where I want to hear not talk about me for ninety minutes and hear hear all about what's been going on with you and Meg. It's been so good to meet you. My goodness, hopefully, so we'll, nice we'll to meet you. Get to meet in person and, and yeah. actually uh, have more of a, a two way two way conversation. That would be that'd be super cool. Yeah, I would love oh. it. Cool. I want to get to know get to know you and and hear all about what's been going on with you, Harrison. Seems like uh, life is good and glad to hear that you're well. Oh, yeah, man. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Good. Can't complain. You could, but I'm glad that you're not. That's good. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of we course. All, What's the fucking could. point? What's the fucking yeah. point? Yeah. That's the fucking point. And on that note, <laughs> 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 that's the lesson for today's episode. That's the lesson well, for today's episode. Thank you. What's Zach. the fucking point? Of course. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for asking me to do this, man. This is, this is really fun. I'm glad you guys are doing this. I'm glad we could finally get you on. Likewise. Likewise. Good to see you, dude. We had a brief, brief discussion about Mean Girls the Musical. And it actually has, I hate to open that can of worms again. Here I go. I'm opening it. I am going to say, I think it does some things right. For instance, I just don't feel like I was heard. And I just want to make sure my point is made like the way I want to make it, which is that in the musical, they're not giving somebody the opportunity to say, and none for Glenn Coco. 
they are having, they, they are making a little moment of it that's heightened and like bound. The joke is going to land differently because it like the setup of it is different or like on Wednesdays we wear pink. It's like a line in a song instead of like some actress trying to give her best, like towing the, like we were talking about towing the line of like, do I just replicate it or do I do my own take on it? That is not going to land the same. So I think it works in its favor, like taking, making those really iconic moments and spinning them on their head a little bit. Am I defending the musical on the whole? No, no, I'm not. No, I but want to. They though. do not. I'm going to. I, I <laughs> okay. want to say that I was, I was clowning. I was goofing. I was talking oh. generally and broadly okay. about Mean Girls the musical, and uh, I, I mean no disrespect to Mean Girls. And so I want to say that we here at the Good to See You podcast, we may goof, we may joke, but we have respect for Mean Girls the musical. True. And Shrek the movie, which let's talk about Shrek because it's about time that it come up on this show. I feel like it's just kind of like a staple, you know, in uh, America. It's a meme. And And we also all are Shrek, you know, like. Right. Like, aren't we all? And I just feel like it's time that we talk about it. So. I oh damn so, you, Hannah. So so Shrek. So uh, Shrek. What is it about Shrek? You know, Webster's defines Shrek <laughs> as a 2000 film, uh, computer animated at this time. Uh, right. Not not no. kind of a hand drawn animation. Kind of more of a it, computer type graphic. You know, DreamWorks. DreamWorks. You know, and they live. Uh, in a bog, he lives in a bog. (laughs) Okay. Some, I just want to like, maybe, maybe tell me about some of your favorite things about Shrek. I'll tell you some of mine. Number one, I love the Duloc song. I think it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. You know, I agree. I love that song. Welcome to Duloc. What a perfect town. Yes, we have some rules. May we lay them down. Please stay off of the grass. Sign your shoes. Wipe your face do lock it yeah that is so good that's also a great that's, joke classic kind of misdirect classic yeah exactly so that is that is a number one moment for me number two i love when donkey and shrek are walking through the sunflower fields and donkey is annoying shrek on the way to the castle good song in the musical too Sing a song, yes, yeah, a travel song, when you gotta go sometime. You know that one? So good. Don't really know the show, actually. Oh, you should watch it. There's a pro shot so, of it. It's, like, pretty I have, good. I have, and I, I have watched it. It's, yeah, it's pretty good. It's as good as, like, it's gonna be, I guess. And, um... It's, like, as good as Mean Girls. <laughs> and my last favorite part is, uh... I guess they're all at the beginning. I don't really. Uh, of the. F- oh, no, no, the f- no. I like. We're talking about the film, right? I'm talking about the film. I'm not talking about the musical. Okay. Um, That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, just yeah. ping pong um, I want to make sure people are, are tracking. Um, sure, sure. Um, and my other favorite part is when. Is like the montage of Shrek and Fiona, you know, like doing like gross romantic things. And they things. blow up the frog. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's those are the things that I like uh, about it, and that's it, pretty much. That's I what like, I have to contribute to the Shrek, uh, or Shrek, whatever. I'm cutting that. <laughs> love the twist. Me personally, 
Great twist in that film. A great twist. Yeah. Great you're twist right. in that film. Mm-hmm. Love the imagery you don't see of the it frog. Coming. You really you... don't. One of the f- earliest yeah. twists I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um let's see, let's see, let's see. <laughs> it's also just smart. Like I remember as a kid thinking, "Oh, wow, this movie is so clever. I can't believe all these fairy tales are like twisted into this thing." And you know, yeah, it's kind of really like couldn't... it's kind of like a precursor to Into the Woods, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Yeah, totally, totally. And because also, it makes complete sense, say... you know, like there's no buy-in because yes. I've already seen this, you know, like right. Yep. And uh, Shrek, a with a mark that. That's why people listen to this podcast because <laughs> I, I'll be saying crazy shit like, yeah, like our generation, we were kind of preconditioned for Into the Woods from Shrek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, that that does that is part of our brand. Um, runner up moment for me is Lord Farquaad choosing which princess he's gonna like. If you like pina coladas, <laughs> good use of music. Good use of music. Great use. Yeah, it's it is funny. You know exactly what's going on, and I have to say that the sequel is a pretty good sequel. Yeah, and that is a good. Only a good film can have a good sequel. You know. Mm-hmm. The gingerbread man torture scene is good too. Like when Excellent. he's like, yeah. when he's like yeah. plucking him apart and stuff, not the gumdrop buttons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. What I'm oh, talking wow. about, I'm talking about not the gumdrop None. buttons. Yep. That is yeah. a great moment. That's a good movie. Oh. Yep. So kudos to Shrek. You did it. And the you... second movie. Oh wait. And we also like the memification of all star comes from that movie. Yes. Like yep, then sure you does. get the absolute counting crows banger on the second movie. You get accidentally yep. in love. So you get the fairy godmother's rendition of, uh, fuck. What is that song called? I don't know, but there used to be, on I the need DVD. a hero holding out for a hero. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. On the DVD. There used to be a bonus yeah. feature where you could I know what watch you're an, like an American Idol type competition. <laughs> yes. Slams. Fucking Unbelievable. Slams. Yes. Oh, wow. Top comedy. That. I'm YouTubing that as soon as we hang up. We, that, <laughs> that is so fucking rich. Oh, I love that. Wow. Congratulations, <laughs> Shrek. Thank you for... Thanks, everybody. Shreks. Uh, one and two. Yeah. The others, I don't really know that much about. But no, I don't those, know much about. I, can I don't know about Shrek I the Third. I don't know very much about Shrek the Third or Forever <laughs> After. Wait, oh my, but you, you also know, know that the fucking titles. It was supposed <laughs> to be. Um, it was supposed to be Chris Farley, and then he, you know, tragically died. He was supposed to be Shrek, the voice of Shrek. Oh, fun fact I about know that Shrek fact. This has been. <laughs> It's kind of like a parfait. Shrek facts. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> wow. Wow. I didn't know that. That actually kind of blew my mind because I thought it was, I thought Mike Myers was just a shoe in. Iconic. And so born iconic. For the role. Yeah. Yeah. Born um, Shrek in. <laughs> <laughs> Shrek to death. Um, uh, oh, something else I wanted to talk about. Uh huh. Speaking of like childhood taste, I guess. Yeah, that's okay, how I'm sure, sure, this. sure, sure, sure. Uh, we're talking about like, you know, you start to like bands as a young person and you kind of like are ashamed of your not ashamed of your taste, but like it's not always cool to like something so much. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah. Um, like I just, I, I, I remember thinking that like about kids in middle school, like when they like had, you know, were super fans of things. And I know people thought that about me with the Jones brothers, but like, people still make fun of me because I'm such a geek about stuff. Like, right. Right. But isn't it like, I feel like, especially as young people, like it's discounted, discredited. Like it's not, people are like, uh, the obsessive behavior is kind of written off or like not counted as like legitimate or necessarily genuine because they're like, Oh, you know, but I think it does actually inform so much. And it's just probably natural for teenagers to kind of like when they find something that they identify with and that they like to kind of throw them whole, their whole selves at it because, you know, those things are few and far between. And especially when you're finding it for the first time, it feels so like euphoric. You just kind of want to like, I don't know, go all in. Oh yeah. Is this resonating? Yeah. I mean, like I, I don't know, like I can trace, I kind of can't deny it. Cause like I can trace all of my like right. favorite things back to like probably like four or five main avenues through which I got into them, you know, like right. most of my like core favorite things from when I was like, like I probably 11 to 18 are just mm-hmm. everything I'm into now are just evolutions of that. Like in some forms, literally, and in some forms, uh, you know, kind of more metaphorically, you know? Yes. Yes, totally. I mean, lit- yeah, I mean, li- in, literally there's a Pete Wentz bass behind me and like, so much of the music that I got into was by way of like hearing sugar were going down or like, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're in the week of a Kanye release and it makes me feel like I'm 11 years old when Kanye mm-hmm. records dropped, because that's how old I was when I had the Grammy CD for 2005 and it had through the wire on it. And then my uncle went and got me immediately got me bootlegs of college dropout and late registration. Oh my and gosh. I didn't I'll, know that. Yeah, and it was like, you know, that was like all, I was obsessed, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and it's always been that way. It feels that way again, like in weeks like this. It felt that way when Fall Up right. got back together, but I'm not a big fan of the music they make right now. Okay, fair. You know, but my chemical yeah, romance. Still, oh my gosh, when the Jonas Brothers reunited, it was the best day of my life, like of my right. adult life, probably. It was such a good day. I'm going to be seeing them. I, it's silly, but... Same band I saw when I was 12 years old. I'm going to be seeing days before my 25th birthday. Like, it's that's cool. okay. You know, it's I cool. I remember what's going to be really cool. Um, you know, I, I have you know, like getting into Tyler, the creator, when I was like 15. It's like it has been insane, an insane mm-hmm. ride, you know, to watch like this person who was like completely just being a being a provocateur and kind of being like kicked out of the culture, then basically like becoming the culture, you know, mm-hmm. he won the Grammy. There is no Billie Eilish without Tyler. Like that sound right. is like right. old school Tyler. Like there's no Lil Nas X without Tyler. You know, Tyler is one of the first rappers who like has talked about being, you know, like queer in some form. Mm-hmm. And, uh, same with, uh, you know, who who then, because of Tyler, spawned Kevin Abstract, who, like, has brought forward, like, the LGBT movement and rap so, so much that then brought about Little Nas X, you know? Like, it's really, right. everything can kind of be traced back, and Tyler has his roots in Kanye, and, like, you know, it's really interesting to watch how the art moves yeah. down the line. Yeah, and I think that just sometimes we should give our young selves, like, 
credit, you know, and that maybe the next, I don't know. I feel like teenagers don't often get, we write off like teenage culture or like interests a lot of times, you know, no, BTS has but, the best melody in the whole country. Right. And maybe right. the whole world right now, <clears throat> like yes. period, the pre-chorus to butter is like the oh best melody it is great. The it, best it really melody is. in the world. Like there is a reason that people are into it right. as hard as they are, you know? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, cool. I, speaking of music, speaking of, speaking of a good melody, do you listen to your music like the way I do, which is that I probably have 10 to 15 songs in rotation at a time and I am listening to them and them alone. And some will come and go. Some will stay in the rotation for a long time, but it's, I'm not really venturing far from those songs, uh, except, you know, per recommendation, or are you the kind of person that will just like, throw on a playlist, you know, just based on your mood and it can be anything. Yeah. What is your, what's your listening a hybrid? Style? Okay. I make playlists. I, I still, I used to like put them out and like be like, Hey, I made this like season playlist, but yeah. I still make playlists. Like I'll put together songs. It started probably in like, I started doing that really hard and probably in college at some point. Because I was just Mm -hmm. kidding. I was listening to a lot of different things. And so, like, I needed to collect it as opposed to just, like, I'm listening to this one artist all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was, like, collecting stuff because people were giving me stuff. And I started doing that. And I basically, like, realized that, like, every four or five months I get super sick of the playlist. I'll build it out to a point where I'm like, eh, I'm kind of sick of this. I'll take the last, like, three, four, five songs that I've added and be like, I'm not sick of these yet. Let me start the new playlist with with these. And that's usually how I build them. Um, and then I usually have probably like two or three albums that I'm listening to pretty religiously all the time. And, and that just comes and goes with like what I'm into, you know, and that fluctuates from like the pool of like my 10 or 15 favorite artists or whatever band is super slamming at the time. That's how I would say my music listening taste is. Sure. And then like, you know, I'm, uh, Johnny's the king of like finding super interesting obscure stuff that i'm all we're listening to that kind of shit too a lot like japanese city pop and stuff like that mm. that is really interesting he's been playing mm. a lot of that so i've been listening to that it's cool um you know yeah but i'm with you on the saving like 15 songs and that's all i'm listening to mm-hmm. yeah pretty much time. my my, I'm just listening to my on repeat playlist on Spotify. If the song makes that playlist, then it's pretty much set until I find some new song that I just keep, you know, hitting the back button on as soon as it gets the last seconds. And I get into weird things with songs. Like there was a, a, a phase probably like six months ago where every time I was in the car to drive to work, I was listening to work by Rihanna, like constantly, like, <laughs> because it was just making me feel good for some reason. I was yeah. like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can. I think I know that whole song. <laughs> I think I know that, that whole rocks. song. Fucking love that. That song. rocks. Um, will she ever make music again? Yes. Probably not. The working theory is that if there is a second Kanye album to come out on Friday, she's going to be the opener because what? he said that that the people that made him 
are gonna open the albums from now on that's what and he stuck by that jay opened this one so that's oh the rumor my gosh if we'll see she... i don't think any of it will come true but that's the rumor oh, right i want i mean i also want rihanna to like make her own music that's coming though again that, but i don't think she's done apparently the album is done that's what i've she's heard a... oh i thought she's a billionaire and has a million other things that she can do and She's not doing that shit anymore. I don't know. I had, I've heard a lot about of rumors about this. I must look look more into this. But I have heard that that album is done. Okay. Because I knew that I know that at the beginning of 2020, there was a huge like leak that there were artists with that were had been like working in like the engineering stage of records, mm-hmm. and a ton of them were right. Like the weekend. That was, like, right before the Blinding Lights record came out. Childish Gambino, who dropped that, like, random surprise album that's just numbers or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, Which is a good album, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Um, But the rumors are that she's been in the stew. Anything Anything else for the rumor mill today? Anything else you want to just throw in there for fun? The rumor is, uh... I don't know. I mean, the rumors are saying that it's going to be a baseball hat album on the 17th. So, oh, you can go to really? sendthestereocrush.com if you want to see if that ru- that's basically the Snopes of that rumor. Okay. It's kind okay. of the exclusive Snopes website for the rumor about baseball hat dropping an album on the 17th. Okay. Okay. And, and, and Meg doesn't I, and even t- know if it's true because Meg doesn't know if there's an album. There, there's, there's tell of an album. There is tell, yes. Nothing that I've heard. Ones and um. zeros. You can buy a promise that we will send you MP3s <laughs> on a date. That's it. That's what I got to say. Okay. All right. That's a great addition for the rumor mill this week. Yeah. Uh, okay, people. Well, this has been a beautiful first episode to season two. Thanks for coming back. We're happy to have your ear for another year. We're happy to have your ear for just another year. And we're going to tell you a thing or two because it's good to see you. Okay. All right. There's something there. A rhyme. Two (laughs) rhymes. Yeah. (laughs) There was two Um, rhymes. That's right. Um, Just a reminder, season two uh, is a... Good to see you is bi-weekly. So we are coming at you every other week. Yeah, because this we're saying bye to weekly podcasts. There it is. Bi-weekly. Um, we're going <laughs> bi-weekly. <laughs> um, and if you want to, you know, just get little reminders about episodes and see what we're up to, you can follow along at Good to See You Pod or you can follow me at Meg Bunn. Or you can follow me at double H double A double R double I double S double O double N on all the social media sites, and there will be all those links in the description. I hope you like. Uh, I hope you like. I hope you like everything this week and next, because we won't see you next week. We'll see you on what? What, what day is it? We'll be back in their ears. We'll see you on the fifteenth. Hey, hot dang! This is my jam. We're gonna see you on the fifteenth. All right. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.